Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Reaching the Summit podcast for a special um, play-by-play forum. We got four of our of our different play-by-play announcers throughout the summit league joining us today. We have the possibility for a couple more to join. So we will see what happens. Um, There might be some people jumping in a little bit later. Um, And we're just going to introduce a few of the teams, talk to some of the play-by-play voices around the league, and then just ask some questions about their job, what some unique things, some stories they might have. And, and we'll try to not have, what do we have seven people right now on the same uh, feed, not stumble over each other too much and, and do the best we can. Um, so my name is Todd Buckingham. Uh, joining me as always, we got Zach Dosh and Greg Steeman. And then I'll just start by introducing our different voices that we have joining us today. And, uh, and then they'll give a little blip about their team. And then I'll ask some general questions. So Corbu, let's start out with you. Uh, Corbu Status from University of St. Thomas. Um, happy to have you on board and just tell us a little bit about the Tommies. Yeah, good to be here and uh, fun to make a run through the Summit League last year and get to know that league. Um, I think the Tommies this year might really be more like what people probably thought year one should have been last year because last year they had such a, a cohesive group those guys just knew how to play with each other. And I think you saw that on the floor. You saw them be competitive in almost every single game because they knew exactly what Coach Tower wanted. They knew where everybody was going to be, and they really did it well. And they probably overachieved in some ways. And this year, uh, I think they're probably more talented top to bottom with the, the Division One, the four players they have coming in and another year of Division One recruiting. But I don't know if they'll be as good on the floor so maybe higher highs and lower lows so to speak but I I think it's going to be an exciting season for them and one where they get to um then now they know the logistics right like last year they were figuring out what hotel do you stay in and where's the arena and where do I go get a drink of water at the half I mean all of these things that are vital to know now they know those things so they can have a little bit more comfort that way and then they also have to get used to four new freshmen coming in playing with the seniors who know exactly what needs to be done and have played with people who know exactly what needs to be done. So can they be patient and help bring the younger kids along? And and I think that's something that is the biggest question. Uh, When you bring back somebody like a Riley Miller, that's huge, uh, especially what he can do. I'm really excited to see what Parker Bjorkland can do in year three of playing college basketball because he didn't play his first two years. He was just a regular old student at St. Thomas and then missed it and wanted to play some basketball. And I think you saw him at the end of last year really start to blossom. So I'm super excited to see what he can be with another year under his belt. And then, of course, the freshmen. I think it's going to be fun to see what that kind of athleticism can bring. Um, A really highly touted recruiting class. So that's exciting to see. But, um, you know, it takes a while for freshmen And, and some freshmen come along sooner than others. So. I think it'll be fun to see how they come along. But honestly, guys, I have no idea what this season will bring for the Tommies. It, it could be one where they it's the same as last year, or they could be better, or they could be worse. I'm not sure. It's funny you say that. We've all been saying that about pretty much all these teams. It's been probably yeah. the hardest year ever to predict, and that's what's going to make it so fun. There's so many new faces. 
How are those freshmen looking? Have you had a chance to sneak over to a practice or talk to anybody? Yeah, I think Johnny Lee and Andrew Rohde are really the ones standing out so far. And Rohde could be an early candidate to start for the Tommies. And the Johnny Lees, you know, they're practicing the other day and he takes, ha- takes off halfway between the free throw line and the basket to go up for a dunk. And it was like, oh, yeah, we didn't see that last year. So I think that'll be a fun thing for Tommy fans to see. Uh, I think Kendall and uh, Kendall Blue and uh, Carter Bjerke are still a little bit more works in progress. But, you know, everyone develops at a different rate. And especially, I think Coach Tower is such a process guy and wants his offense to be run well. They don't want to turn the ball over. How do you do that? You run your offense well. If you're going to run the offense well, then you're going to get the playing time. So I think it really depends on how well those freshmen pick up the offense and how well they can run it before we get a good look at them. Nice. Yeah. And Corbu, there's no, as a person who played uh, intramural basketball at a Mayak school, there's no reason Parker Bjorklund should be playing in a league that someone like me played in at one point. Um, <laughs> it doesn't, that has at least a foot on me and, and obviously more skill. Um, so, yeah. but an interesting story, his story. 100%. I mean, it's fascinating that he could come out who takes two years off and then goes and has a successful division one basketball start. Right. Right. It's just a a really unique story, but a good one. And I think it helps us all remember that, especially maybe even more so in the Summit League. Right. You get caught up in the recruiting rankings. But Riley Miller wasn't highly touted coming out of high school. He was barely a D3 kid. And look at the success he's had. Brooks Allen, same thing. Parker Bjorklund, same thing. So you get to see a little bit more of those kids come in, develop and really be something their junior and senior years. Well, also joining us today, we have Tom Neiman, uh, Midco. I know it's usually for South Dakota State. I don't know if it's always South Dakota State, Tom, or kind of a variety sometimes. Yeah, most locked into South Dakota State for the most part, yeah. So so what have you seen so far? What do you expect this season from the Jackrabbits? Yeah, the Jacks actually played an exhibition game against uh, Concordia St. Paul, got up and saw that, and uh you know, it, Doug Wilson is gone. Baylor Shireman transferred to Creighton. Everybody knows about that. And those guys are impossible to replace. But the Jacks still have six guys back that played a lot of minutes on a team that won 30 games a year ago. So there's a whole lot there. They've got some freshmen coming in. And uh, they all played in that exhibition game. I'm not sure yet if all of them will actually uh, see some time this year and who will redshirt. But um couple of six-year guys coming back. Alex Arians, who has been really kind of low-key great in this league for a lot of years. He's back. Uh, Matt Dentlinger is another six-year guy. Luke Apple is in his fifth year. He, he's coming back again, and he's, he's out right now. He's got a foot injury, but he's going to be back in a couple of weeks. And then Zeke Mayo is still there. He was really good as a freshman last year. Um, you know, they're worried that he's going to be gone after this season, like a lot of guys that might make a move to another school. But uh, Mayo comes back, and he – in the second half of that exhibition game uh, against Concordia, he just came out, hit like three threes in a row, made a couple of dishes on the, on the break and was just fantastic. So Mayo is back. And then you got Charlie Easley, Matt Mims, some guys that are proven off the bench for the Jacks. So that is six guys that are back from that 30 win team. And then you, you got Matt Moores who transferred from Wisconsin and uh, probably would have played this year for the Badgers, but uh, had some family ties to South Dakota state and is now a jackrabbit, and he he's just kind of a, another low-key guy. He's not a great athlete, but he's a better athlete than you think he is, about 6'8", and just, just a solid player, and he's going to get a lot of time. Uh, Willie Kyle, William Kyle is another big guy, freshman, 
six foot nine kid uh, from the Omaha area that looked really good in this exhibition game, kind of a rim protector. And uh, he's going to give him some size inside to go with Dentlinger. And then the freshman, I don't know, again, I don't know who's going to play for sure, but Kalen Gary is a kid from DeSmet, South Dakota, that small school kid, six, four, just stacked, great athlete, uh, looked really good in the exhibition game. So he might get some time. They got another freshman named Tanner Tesla. So that's really four or five guys that, could play but probably won't because of the depth that the Jacks do have coming back so I mean the, the concern is really only who's going to be the big shot guy because that was Shireman last year Shireman always had the basketball in his hands always was taking the last shot and doing things with it at the end of games Doug Wilson was a really good excellent defender and they're going to miss that but uh, those are really the two questions for the Jacks and in a league that a lot of teams are going to be I think relying leaning on a lot of new guys that might not necessarily be the case at South Dakota State just because of what they got coming back. So pick second behind Oral Roberts. I think they're fine with that, uh, with a little bit to prove. But uh, SDSU is going to be really good again. Hey, Tommy, um, you know, I, I, I think everybody talks about the, the depth of talent that USD has on the perimeter. But I think quietly, and you kind of talked about this, Arians comes back. Uh, Mayo comes back after an, an incredible freshman season easily underrated as far as yeah. what he brings to the floor and, and his willingness just to say whatever I need to do to win. Um, and then Mims, I mean, you've, you've got some, uh, you've got some depth and experience in the backcourt as well. And I think that's going to bode well as far as bringing some of those younger bigs along. Yeah. You nailed it right, right there. That's four guys. I mean, we talked about the USD guys with, uh, you know, our and they get Paul runs from North Dakota and the guy with Plitzel white coming back. That's they're going to have four guys that are proven, uh, scores in the Summit League, but as issues guards with those four guys you just said, yeah, could, could hang right in there. They're going to have that depth, like you said, and Hendo doesn't like playing more than eight guys, but he might dip a little further into that this year, so we still see what happens with that, but you're right on as usual, Steeman, and Todd, we were going to tell stories about our favorite Summit League moments. Mine is when Greg Steeman called me Tammy instead of Tommy. <laughs> <laughs> in a game, I think it was in the summer league tournament last year. Yes, it was in the summer league tournament. <laughs> that's a, that's a that's a good steaming moment. <laughs> that's the bad thing about this. We got Neiman and Brian Sean both on, who have had to deal with me in way too many games. <laughs> we we don't have to stop at stories. Both now, even when we're done recording, I'm I'm more than willing to sit and wait. So <laughs> it'd be fun to talk about the stuff that's said during timeouts. Yeah. <laughs> Steeman just Wilson. usually looks the other way, stares out in space for 90 seconds. <laughs> also with us today, we have Jack McGonigal from uh, Omaha. Jack, welcome. Yeah, thanks for having me, Todd. Uh, pleasure to be here, and I'm excited to hear yeah a little bit more about each team that's being represented here tonight. But Omaha, you know, new coaching staff. Hanson's gone after a long tenure from, you know, brought the guys from D2 to D1. Should be a really interesting year. It's a lot of question marks and a lot of kind of we'll see kind of mentality. But um, obviously Frankie Fiddler back, just a sophomore. Um, he was a key addition as a freshman last year. Um, really played well and uh, really surprised people. You know, we thought he was being good coming in, but almost not that good, you know, so um, and then a lot of new faces. Uh, they had an exhibition would have been Tuesday night. Uh, I went and saw that and a um, little sloppy at times, but um, 
they worked well together for it being an exhibition. Luke Jungers, he's a freshman, Omaha kid, uh, 6'9", comes in off the bench, hits a couple threes. Uh, he actually led the way with 22 points. So 6'9", um, freshman that can shoot, he's going to be one to watch. Uh, just went to high school about 10 minutes from campus. And then um, a couple transfers come in. Uh, Jaden Marshall, he's a guard, and then Markel Sutton, a forward. Uh, those will be one to watch. But um, And then we lost five, five, six guys from last year's team uh, that didn't stick around to see the head coaching transition. I like the hire of Chris Crutchfield. Um, he's worked at some pretty cool spots, Oregon with Dana Altman, and then um, down in Norman in Oklahoma. So I think it's going to be a good hire. I think it's going to work out well. It's not going to be you know, Omaha struggled the past couple of years. It's not going to be a change. It's going to happen overnight. They're not going to go from five, six wins to 25 wins, you know, in just a year. It's going to be a, a transition, but it's going to be upward. And I'm looking forward to it. You know, they have a tough road matchup to start the year at Fog Allen Fieldhouse on Monday night. So, um, but they they went out and scheduled some pretty tough opponents playing KU, both the Iowa, Iowa, Iowa State, Mississippi State, so they're challenging themselves, which I think will really help when it comes Summit League play. Um, but, yeah, it's a lot of kind of we'll see with a lot of the new faces. And I've been to one or two practices, but haven't seen, you know, a lot of these guys very much at all. So um, I'm calling the game down in Lawrence on Monday, so we'll get a better view of uh, what we're looking at. But it looks like it's going to be Frankly, Frankie Fiddler, uh, Jaden Marshall, Sutton, uh, Brom, and then maybe J.J. White, another transfer, could be the starting five. and. I expect Jungers to come off the bench, but if he plays as well as he did Tuesday night, uh, I could definitely see him uh, sliding into that starting role pretty shortly. Uh, 18 turnovers on Tuesday night that were sloppy. Um, hope they need to pick that up if they want to stand any sort of chance. Maybe they will with Bill Self out. We'll see. But uh, yeah. How about that Bill Self tucking our Omaha man? Yeah, I know. <laughs> Choosing to serve a suspension while he's playing Omaha. Convenient. Yep, exactly. Hey. You know, I, I tried to catch a little bit of that um, exhibition match. They they uh, they physically looked apart. I mean, they yeah, they're, they're to, a lot more athletic team. Yeah, they're a yeah lot they, they definitely, team. you know, like like the big wings, they can switch picks, all this good stuff. Could you pick up anything like stylistically on offense or defense or tendencies as to what they're trying to accomplish or what's their points of emphasis? Yeah, it's, it's a lot of kind of run and gun movement. I mean, that's kind of Jungers comes off the bench and, you know, he's flying down the floor and knocks down a couple of three pull-up threes. And um, yeah, definitely a quicker style of play is what I expect to see with the, the gain of athleticism on the squad. Um, we just had a lot of guys that uh, weren't as mobile as they should be. Um, and you guys know the Summit League. I mean, it's run and gun. It's, I mean, look at St. Thomas last year. I mean, they were shooting 33s a game. I mean, that's kind of the style that uh, Omaha likes to play. Um, we shot you know, nine to 21 from three. So 33% but, or a little over 33%, but yeah, it seemed like a quicker offense. Um, and sometimes at times they were almost too quick where they were kind of throwing balls away or, you know, not a little sloppy and uncontrollable, but um, yeah, definitely a quicker style play this year compared to what we saw with Hanson. And Frankie Fiddler looked pretty smooth on offense, even in that ex exhibition. Looked the same oh, as yeah, last yeah, year, he had even a, a little better. Quiet, you know, kind of quiet 13 points, 28 minutes, did a little bit of everything, six assists, five boards, 13 points. Yeah, he kind of did a little bit of everything, which was good to see. Um, three for six from three. So, yeah, expecting Frankie Fiddler to be a leader this year. And he was last year, but 
you know, now as a sophomore, people know who he is and hopefully makes a little bit more noise in the Summit League this year. Looks a little more physically developed too. Oh yeah, absolutely. For sure. I think he gained maybe 10, 15 pounds in the offseason. So yeah, Frankie Fiddler and a bunch of people we haven't, we don't know much about yet, but we will soon enough. Pretty much. Yeah, yeah. pretty much. Nice. Well, Ty Tyler over at Denver this year, uh, some players that we know a lot about, and then again, several players that we, that we don't know as much about. What do you, what do you expect from Denver this year? Yeah. Well, um, guys, thanks for having me. And it's, uh, it's good to see everybody and uh, be getting set. We're, um, yeah, same. We got a Monday night opener, uh, coming up at home this year. And, um, this group, I mean, looks really exciting second year, uh, with Jeff Wolburn and, and his coaching staff. And so obviously not a whole lot of, uh, holdover on the roster from the, the previous staff. And this is a, a group that is really talented, uh, very lengthy, which I think is something that, um, this new Denver staff realized they needed in the summit league, uh, to be able to compete is guys with length and guys who can, you know, kind of guard multiple positions and, and be versatile uh, in a lot of roles. But, um, you know, this is uh, a team that had five combined wins over its previous two seasons, I think, and ended up with 11 last year. And so obviously this staff did a lot of things right. And uh, the guys that they've brought in are just the the types of players who you can tell are very um, bought into what they're doing. Um, there's There's a really good chemistry feel to to practices this year even more so than last year and it was already very noticeable last year um but you know i think as far as things that uh that like you said todd you're you know familiar with and um guys who you'll you'll see this year for my money i think the the guy who's kind of on the doorstep of being the the most exciting player in the conference is tevin smith and uh for tev to be you know in year two having put on some more weight um the way he developed from game to game and week to week last year especially as conference play came on um i think he's the most talented player that we've seen uh at du since a day murky and granted a day was only a few years ago but you know days already made his nba debut um and uh a guy who reminds you of him in a lot of ways and i think even better than a day in certain aspects of his game already by his sophomore year uh is tevin smith so tev to be a, another year into his development is pretty exciting um you know same thing with the the guys who he came in last year uh as part of the freshman class with toko Tynamo, um was a really effective big especially as conference play went on last year and got better and better you can see the game start to slow down for him around the midway point of last season uh pedro lopez san vicente i know they really like what he's been able to develop uh, for his outside game this year. Um, I think the challenge for Pedro is going to be showing that in games and not just in practices, uh, but he's really dynamic and, and can really stretch the floor uh, in a lot of ways. Um, something that I think is going to be a challenge already for this team uh, is depth because of injuries. They lost Coben Porter uh, to a torn ACL uh, over the off season. So no Coben, who was, you know, one of the most dynamic scorers, uh, in college basketball last year, not just among freshmen, um, but somebody who was, you know, top three in the country among made threes uh, for freshman shooters and um, not having him is going to be tough. Uh, but having that group back and uh, and kind of growing in their second year is really exciting. Um, and then they added some guys who I think are going to be very interesting pieces. It seems like the the player they're most excited about is Tyree Corbett, who's a, a transfer from Coppin State. Um, Tyree was one of, I think, two or three players in the country last year who had multiple 2020 games, uh, 20 points and 20 rebounds. He's, um, you know, 6'7", 200, but 
really strong, doesn't get pushed around on the block. He can, um, you know, he can post people up. He can do a lot of things. Um, Lucas Kasunas is a, a transfer from Stanford. He played uh, four years at Stanford. He was actually recruited to Stanford by Jeff Wolverine when he was there. Uh, so I know they're really excited about what Lucas can do. Um, and then some of the other newcomers, uh, the guy who was the prize piece, the recruiting class for the freshman was Justin Mullins, who's uh, out of the Chicago area. And another one who's just, you know, crazy athleticism. Uh, Dunn Makuna, who is from Germany, they're uh, very excited about what he's able to do on the floor. He is the most unassuming guy uh, that you will ever come across. And then he'll just, you know, pop from a standing position and throw it down with two hands. And uh, he's really impressive. And um, Tommy Bruner, who is a transfer uh, from Jacksonville and uh, and USC upstate before that uh, a lot's going to rely on him as far as the guard play goes. Um, but, you know, this is, this is really exciting. They're a, a team that comes in with a little bit of preseason expectation, which is not something that we've uh, seen around here for a while. Tyler, you, um, you know, you talked a little bit about that. And I, you know, you're talking about Tevin um, and I, I kind of equate him to Zeke Mayo. They were two of the more deferential freshmen last year that could have done a lot on their own, but were so good at letting the game come to them. But the second thing I will say, I'm going to go to your last remark. Um, there are some expectations. I think ESPN said, hey, who's the team to watch in the Summit League? And, then, and they said Denver. And I think, uh, I think the reason for that is Coach Wolburn, when he came in, said, we're going to come out and get after you and play hard. So I'm going to ask you, the one question I'm going to ask is, you're concerned about depth. You've, you've listed off some individual talent. How confident is the staff right now that they can kind of develop to where they can be able to play maybe nine, 10 guys a game, because I think that's really a staple of coach Wolverine's philosophy is they want to get after you for, for 40 minutes on the defensive end. Uh, do you see some of that talent being able to develop into some good quality depth? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think the concern depth wise right now is health, um, you know, already being without, uh, you know, a, a big contributor in Coben Porter, um, yeah. Drake Muller, who was kind of a, a depth piece um, at the guard position the last couple of years, he was hurt for the majority of last year as well. He just suffered an ACL injury too. So they're already down two guards going into the year, um, which is, you know, certainly a, a piece that you would rather not be dealing with. But uh, I know they're really excited about Ben Bowen, who's a, a redshirt freshman and a transfer from Wyoming. Um, you know, he's somebody who I think has kind of come on as we've gotten closer to the season and they've realized like, Oh, he's going to, he's going to push for some big minutes. Um, Justin Mullins again, you know, with what they already have in him uh, and what they're confident they're going to be able to develop. I think he's a big depth piece. And, you know, I mean, right now you're looking at a, a circumstance where you've got a guy who last year really made uh, some headlines and turned some heads across the league in Toko Tynamo, and Toko is probably not going to start to to begin this year. Um, and so they are confident in that. I think it, yeah, especially nine nine to ten ish as a rotation. Anything beyond that, um, I think that's going to be where the question marks lie with uh, with the depth so far. But they're really excited about what they've got and what they're going to be able to develop. So I'm currently trying to buy uh, Zoom Pro as we're as we're talking. So Greg or Zach, would you be willing to try to introduce Brian and and give me five minutes here to see if I can't figure that out? <laughs> All right, sounds I'll good. Let... I'll I'll do that pleasure. Yeah. How about uh, yeah? How about my my uh, captain, the the leader of the <laughs> podcast team out up in Grand Forks, our guy Brian Sean. I think Brian's on here, right? Brian yes, is on. Is. What's happening? Huh? How you doing? You excited, Dasher? We're gonna get going. 
That's right, man. I was, I was texting him earlier this week. You know, hey, what about this? Hey, what about that? This is the season, right? Yeah, we're going to love our Thanksgiving. We're going to be spending our Thanksgiving together with a couple of games. How about that? We'll have to bring some leftovers up there and eat a drink timeouts <laughs> or something. <laughs> I'll tell them, say there, that they better bring some – they better have a turkey feast for us on that Friday afternoon game. Yeah, I've never right. turned one down. No, I, <laughs> no, it's you know it's it's interesting. Uh, I had a good chat with actually with Sather on Saturday uh, on sidelines of the North Dakota football game, and you know Sather, I, I still think he's trying to figure out all the pieces. But it was interesting to kind of talk about, you know, what the goals have been. And number one goal is they have to get better defensively. Uh, you know, North Dakota, you cannot allow opponents to shoot forty eight percent from the field every game or more. And that was part of the issue. I mean, you almost have to be perfect offensively when opponents shoot that well. And so they got longer. They got longer. They got more athletic. I think they look more like a, a true D1 team across the board at all their positions. Um, I, I think they're going to probably start two true freshmen on Monday night, which, you know, most teams aren't willing to do. But uh, B.J. Omot and Elijah Brooks, who's the Kansas Mr. Basketball they got late, uh, have, have really impressed with their ability to defend. They're both college ready. They're both long. And I think the challenge for, for, for coach Sather is to figure out what exactly those rotations are going to look like. Uh, who's going to play point guard. Who's going to be the guy that's the backup point guard. Uh, how, what kind of lineups do you want to play? Um, it, it's going to be interesting to see how North Dakota approaches this year, but they do look, uh, I think they're going to be deeper. I think they have guys that are going to be able to fend a little bit better. They should be able to rebound the ball. I think Sone Sarcide took a huge step. I think he's a lot better than what he was a year ago. I think he's playing stronger. Uh, he really worked on his outside shot um, and got better that way. Suker played really well, I thought, in the opener. And, and again, I know it's Waldorf and you can't take a ton out of that, but uh, he said his foot feels better now than it's felt since high school. He had a major surgery done on his foot, something that's quite frankly been plaguing him the last few years and said it's as good as it's ever felt. And I thought he moved really, really well. Um, he shot the ball extremely well in that first game. Uh, again, it's an exhibition, so I mean, it is what it is. But just to see guys move, you kind of see the way they move. He's moving a lot better. Uh, Omad is a special specimen. Uh, I don't know where he's going to fall in terms of all the great freshmen that are in the league, but he's probably going to lead the freshmen in minutes. Because <laughs> I think he's going to play a lot for him right away. I, I do think he's... Uh, He's their most dynamic athlete. He's long. Uh, I know they're impressed with what, how he's been able to, to handle some of the things that they've installed. He, he's a quick learner. He sees it and he applies it to the court. There's going to be freshman moments for him. There's going to be freshman moments for Elijah Brooks as well. But uh, Jalen Trent's a guy, I think, as a Juco, has a chance to, to really help them at point guard. I'm still trying to adjust to some of those things. But, uh, you know, a guy, again, that can get into you and led Juco and all in, in assists last year. I mean, um, total assists, he was number one in the nation. So a guy that can distribute a little bit. Uh, I think that the tricky part is where you kind of fit, where does Caleb Nero fit into this? Guys that have played a lot of minutes, where does Matt Norman fit into this? Uh, I think Trace and Eagle staff, another true freshman is going to get a lot of minutes out of Bismarck, who's the North Dakota Mr. Basketball. You may see him play on the ball or off the ball. Uh, I do think that's something that Paul Sather is going to tinker with a little bit. Uh, so how the rest of the pieces and how it all comes together is going to be really interesting, but, uh, there's really nowhere to go, but up. <laughs> and that's the thing for Paul Sather. I think he's been talking about is, uh, I like our team. I think we have more athleticism. We have more depth. We have more length. 
and they're going to need it in the league because there's a lot of talented teams and a lot of, I think a lot of groups that are ready to take the next step forward. And I think North Dakota has to be ready for that. And I think they will. So Brian, I've, I've stated previously, I'm committed to not voting for Olmot for freshman of the year. If he, even if he scores 20 and 10 or something like that, I just think that <laughs> yeah, we, we can't have another freshman of the year. For- yeah. It's, uh, you know, that's, that's been interesting. And I know that's part of it too, is, is retaining guys. I mean, that's quite frankly, I mean, even talking to Paul about that, he's like, quite frankly, there's some needs that we have to replace that we did not anticipate we were going to have to replace. And that makes it tough on a staff, especially a coach like Paul Sather, that has really made his hay and built his programs on recruiting prep kids, developing those kids over the course of time and being in it for the long haul. And if you don't have time to develop them before they leave or right as you develop and they leave, that creates some holes. And, you know, North Dakota and Grand Forks is not necessarily a, a, a transfer destination or a portal destination. So you have to get creative in how you go and get kids. And I think they found a couple diamonds in the rough in the recruiting process, especially Elijah Brooks. And that was a kid that was pretty much JUCOs and D2s. And I know uh, he doesn't shoot it great from the outside, but he does a lot of other things, a lot of winning things. He attacks the rim. So those are things that you have to sometimes uh, get creative. They have a new assistant coach on staff and Randall Herbst that's been around, has some recruiting ties. So they'll have to continue to utilize those things here in the future. Thanks. Seems like they have their front court rotation set. You know, they're all known quantities. I think that's pretty well good to go. But you're right. This backcourt, it's really going to be fascinating to watch. I know they want somebody to really take that point guard position and just make it so that the coaches can't take them off the floor. I'm just not 100% sure that's going to happen. You have a handful of guys that have some very distinct strengths, but also some very distinct weaknesses. And they all are kind of different. And so it's in a way, that's kind of nice because as a group, you're going to be able to plug and play guys from game to game into certain situations that they're probably going to be able to excel. excel. But I don't know that they're going to be able to have like one guy. I mean, because like you said, you have Caleb Nero with one skill set. You have Ree Grant with another. You have Tracy staff with a very unique skill set. You have Elijah Brooks and you have Jalen Trent. Really, you have five guys there that can all play the point guard. Yeah. I mean, what, what are your thoughts on that backboard? I mean, I, I've, I've kind of gone around in circles and it's just, I've kind of resigned to the fact that I don't know that it's going to be figured out, but it's almost like it can be a game by game situation and, you know, whatever the situation is calling for, I guess. Yeah. I think, the, I, I think they're going to need the entire non-conference to figure that out. I really do. I think they're going to need eight, nine games to figure out who consistently brings it every day. And I, that's, that's part of the challenge. I think that they've even seen with all the new guys is there some days guys are on it. They're plugged in, they're ready to go. And then there's other days, you know, they take, they miss half a practice or they take, they just don't bring the effort. You know, I, I really felt like it was Jalen Trent's job initially. I'm not so sure it is anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and again, yeah, Trace exactly. is yeah. really a point guard. I, I don't know if he is, but he's so talented offensively and he's been so good in practice offensively that it almost puts Coach Sather in a position where you got to consider having him out there because of that. Even with the defensive deficiencies he has, he's never going to be a lockdown defender, but he is really starting from scratch on how to guard man-to-man because he never had to do it in high school. And that's going to be a significant learning curve, and that's going to be one of those areas, can, can you hide him enough to leave him out there and feel comfortable? So, yeah, there's a lot of decisions to make. And, yeah, Reed Grant, I think, is better, too. I think the game is finally starting to slow down for him. 
he's taken the most charges of anybody throughout practice. So defensively, you know, he's always in the right position to make a play. It's just, you know, you have a guy like him and a guy like Brady Danielson. They're good energy guys, but they're probably not guys you want to have to play 20 minutes a night. So I don't know how the rotations are going to fit, but they're going to, you know, you're going to need the whole non-conference against a challenging schedule to figure out by December 17th when they're playing Western Illinois what it's going to look like. The fact that they have options is a huge step forward, though. That was sort of the underlying factor last year. They had no options. No. No. And they they, they definitely did. They I mean, they were had a couple guys team. healthy, and so they are playing yeah. that way. Well, yep. And don't forget, yeah. um, Brian Matthews, I think, too, was going to help him. I mean, he had a back surgery that pretty much sidelined him for five months. He just started practicing like three weeks ago and looks really good. Um, he, he's running freer. He, he's, play, he's just moving better with his feet. So between him and start seeds, I think they'll be okay inside. Um, but how they figure out one, two, three, four, whatever combination that looks like is going to be the question. So you've never lived before. If you didn't get down to two minutes and 41 seconds before I was going to drop you off a of zoom before you got your <laughs> credit card information and password remembered and all that. So the good news is we're, we're good to go. Um, God, I felt, I felt like Tom Cruise in mission impossible watching that tick down in the corner. <laughs> I know we were going to really speak or something. I thought we were going to have to time a, an interview right at the right time or something. Oh, cut off. I, I will tell you the positive of, of supervising crisis group homes is you don't get too flustered, even when you're, you're a cool customer, Todd Buckingham. Yeah, you yeah, just make it work. You never yeah. know what you're going to get. But uh, so I wanted to spend the last 25 minutes or so. Um, maybe we're down to about 20. Uh, just talking about some general league type questions. So I think what I'll do and, and Zach and Greg feel free to throw some out as well, but I'll, I'll just throw them out there and we'll do our best with six people answering on, on not tripping over each other. I could have tried to say, why doesn't Tyler take this one and Brian this one, but uh, let's just see what happens uh, again. I, I apparently, as I go down to two minutes with zoom, I just like to live and see what happens. But uh, so, so my first one that I'm kind of curious about, and I'll give you my answer just to, to get the ball rolling. If you had a magic wand, what was one thing you could change in the summit league? And mine would be more agreements with other conferences for non-conference <laughs> scheduling. I just think for these mid-major conferences, you need to find a way to get some like opponents that do some home and homes. And we're going to, we do a little bit with the big sky and some different things like that, but just having some agreements to help each other out. Cause I don't know how you get higher net rankings and all that. If you don't do it, anybody else have something, if you had a magic wand, what would you change in the summit? I got one thing. I would like to see uh, rivalry games not be played when students are not on campus. I, I'm serious. I, I think it's ridiculous. If we want to up our attendance levels, and things like that. And, and here's the one thing I will say. I, I know Josh Fenton has listened to this, but I think I think this year is the is the back end of last year. So I think everything was just flipped from last year, as far, as best I can tell. But it's ridiculous. Um, you know, we're going to do it. NDSU is going to host SDSU with with no students on campus. I think, and I think UND is going to host NDSU with no students on campus, right, Brian and Zach? I, I mean, these, these are ridiculous yeah, yeah. things. Yeah, December thirtieth. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And, and I just, and I'm, I'm sorry to me, it's, it's, let's have the, the distance, you know, the, the people with the greatest distance between them start the league off and things along those lines. Let's play the rivalry games when students are on campus. I think, I think our kids deserve the be absolute best atmospheres to play in. And so that might seem like a minor thing, but I, I think it's a big deal when it comes to average attendance of the league and also uh, student athlete experience. 
I, I well, think the one thing I think the one thing that I would throw out there, and we've talked about this with Commissioner Fenton too, and, and I'm sure you guys all probably have some strong opinions about this too, but just more of a, a unified coverage approach to the whole conference. So people continue to can build familiarity and we get fans that can know where to watch certain teams and just, just build familiarity and, and just the whole rivalry aspect. And then the whole bit with that, uh, it'd be nice if there was a way to sort of connect all these different feeds under one umbrella. You know, I, I know they, they, they kind of did that with NCHC TV, but is there more that can be done? I'm sure it's in the works. I know commissioner Fenton's talked a lot about that, but has anybody heard anything about that? You're talking to radio guys, man. We just know where we're, what radio station you need to listen to. <laughs> yeah. What do I do in? Yeah. With my apologies to the TV guys. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do think that is something that uh, they're dig digging into right now because they have partnered with another company to explore all those options of what the best fit is. And it, it may very well come to a, a situation with a bidding process, meeting with different vendors and figuring out what is best. The thing that I think you have to be a little bit careful of is, is if you put something under all under one umbrella, what, what does it look like? Is there some uniform to it? And what do you charge people to view it? And how, and how many people will be willing to put that towards? Like you don't want, you know, I think it's a situation where you want to grow the brand, but you don't want to put it behind this paywall where you're paying an exorbitant amount of money that maybe you, you almost hurt the league's reach in some way. So I think that's going to be a tricky part of trying to evaluate what is the league worth? And I don't know the answer to that, but I'm curious uh, just because there's obviously with, with Midco and our situation between the Dakota schools for the most part in the league tournament, it's been a great partnership. I don't know where that leads in the future. I hope it leads to more, but none of us really know that yet. And with a new commissioner, I don't know what his vision is, uh, but accessible and a one-stop shop, I do think does make sense. And just to piggyback on that, coming from the Big Ten, where you didn't know if you were playing on a Wednesday or a Tuesday or at 6 p.m. or at 8 p.m. or whatever, there's something to be said about knowing that you're going to play on a Thursday and a Saturday at 7 p.m. every single week. And having travel partners and all that is outstanding, I think. That was one of my favorite things about the Summit League last year. And you got to be careful, I think, in terms of, alienating fans and like nobody's going to watch a nine o'clock game right yes you may be on espn but what good does that do you if it's 9 p.m and now nobody's coming to your games because it's so late at night so there's that delicate balance the mountain west ran into it when i was with the mountain west conference too the, the same thing how do you balance getting that exposure without completely selling out everything that works well for the for the league you know and one thing i will say i, I it, it's it's tough to get it all on the same platform. And if you do, and, and technically right now it is right. It's ESPN plus, but right. at the same time, I, uh, I'm going to say this because I've done a ton of work for Midco for a lot of years, what they've done to elevate the, 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 the visibility of this league is incredible in this region, to be honest with you. And I, and I say that because I've worked with guys like Tom and Brian and, and Jay and, um, and, and the time and effort they put into it is, is second to none. So I, I hope they do it, and you guys made some great points. I hope they do it with some uh, a very discerning approach, a discerning mentality to say, listen, we, we want to grow this, but we don't want to you know, stop, back up three steps, and then try to take two steps ahead, and we end up behind where we were. So I think it's, 
I think it's important, but at the same time, I think we do have good visibility from an ESPN Plus standpoint. I've always said, what is it, $6.99 a month right now? And plus, Midco Plus is like $6.99 a month. It's as reasonable as you can get, and Cripes, uh, computer monitors are bigger than half the TVs nowadays. So, <laughs> yeah. I will say this, though, Greg, like you talked about ESPN Plus, and the thing is, is not all the schools are utilizing ESPN Plus. And that's okay. the other part of it, is... I don't believe St. Thomas utilized ESPN Plus last year. I don't believe Denver no. utilized ESPN Plus. Western Illinois has gone back and forth. Back when Fort Wayne was in the they, they were on YouTube TV. Um, okay. So, I mean, everybody, there is no uniform approach to it. It really comes down to the school's decision on where they want it. Like Omaha, another one. They got, I mean, I watch their games on Twitter, you know, like, so there really hasn't been a true uniform approach to the platform either. And I think that would even go a long way. Now, the Missouri Valley, which a lot of the Dakota schools and others are part of, not all, those do have to go as a part of a league wide deal to E, but that's not a Summit League thing. Okay. So that's where it does get a little tricky, I think. Kansas City, yep. another one that doesn't go to E. I, I think the way that I put a, a bow on it is you know, we have a commissioner who created the NCHC and created the NCHC TV. Is that right? Yep. I mean, I mean th those are his babies. Like, that is his calling card right and i'm sure that was a part of the reason that he was hired because he's able to pull things like that off and so i'd have high expectations for it i think something's going to get done i'm curious to see what i certainly have my opinions but um that i think has to be a priority because you're also talking about making sure it's as valuable as as possible for these schools to be in this conference you know, watering the grass where your feet are, not wondering if the grass is greener on the other side of the uh, fence. So um, continuing just to strengthen the conference, strengthen the ties, strengthen the finances, all that good stuff. Uh, it's probably, it probably goes through the coverage and, and exposure of these games. And if you're looking for an idea too, Todd, like ideas, like the one thing I think would always be great is we see all these destination games at like the Sanford Pentagon, that's kind of become the hub to bring in big games and big events, especially in the non-conference portion of the schedule. I would love to see a Summit League Missouri Valley, four teams from the Summit, four from the Valley, MTE every year. Like, let's get that on the calendar. We could switch up the teams. One year it can be Denver, Ola Roberts, St. Thomas, and North Dakota State. The next year it can be South Dakota State, South Dakota, um, you know, Western and somebody. But we get Let's let's do it like four games, four days, four games, four days. Like, let's just go at it and have fun with it. I, I think that'd be a cool way to showcase both leagues. To be very honest with you. Yeah. And Tom, really, how much did, Tom, how much did you pay Brian to set you up like that? <laughs> I mean, that's, yeah, that's I know. It's, it's I, funny. Like we, we've been talking about that a lot for a number of reasons, fixing scheduling issues. You know, uh, common opponents, improving net ranking, all that stuff, efficiency of getting good games for cost-conscious teams. For all those reasons, I think it's un inevitable that uh, something like that happens. And embrace the regional aspect of it too, right? Yeah. Because that's where the real rivalries come from. Yep. Like, who cares if you're playing Marist? If you're going to play, you know, Southern Illinois or somebody that's nearby, it's that border rival thing that everybody loves. Yeah, like Horizon yeah. League, that'd be perfect. Yeah, yeah, the Horizon needs to be done. Just play Wright State and Oakland and all these teams. <laughs> right. July and in the Summer League before that, that has to be done. I think that was in the works at one point, but they need to get back to that and have a Horizon Summit Challenge 
for sure. And one one thing that was implemented is uh, the Summer League tournament expands in the next in the March to ten teams. I talked to Josh Fenton about that this week, and he said that that's the student athlete experience. Um, Basketball is our marquee sport, and we wanted to make sure that every team in the league was represented and had a chance to come to the Summer League tournament. So they expand that from eight teams uh, to ten this year, and expand it from four days to five. I think that's a great move. Yeah. Yep. It is. Yeah, great, great to see St. Thomas there too this year, even though it might get tricky at some point, but that's all right. Yeah, yeah. That, that's okay. And, and the Summit League is, is the, the exception to the rule. I mean, uh, we've all seen this. That it's football TV money that drives every other conference, you know, and Summit, you know, our, our, our uh, high profile sport is, is basketball. And so I think it's fantastic. So I think, I think making the Summit League tournament as you mentioned, Tommy, uh, a great uh, student athlete experience and, and bring all the teams in, let them experience what the, what the event is like, what the environment is like. And, uh, and I think that's the best thing we can do, but yeah, it's, we've kind of gotten away from the TV aspect of it, but it'll be interesting to see uh, how that plays out. I think it'll be fantastic because I go back to this South Dakota and the Sioux Falls area in general. And this is one of your questions, Todd, um, don't ever, ever, ever take that tournament out of Sioux Falls, in my opinion. I just, people can complain all they want about all the blue and gold in there and uh, all the red or anything like that. I think people would rather play in front of uh, great crowds than play in a different, in, at a different venue in front of uh, insignificant crowds. So I just changed the topic for you, Todd. So, so it's too bad Adam wasn't able to make it because it would be interesting to get the Tulsa perspective on that. Um, <laughs> sure. But uh, and that, but Tyler, Denver, uh, Jack, it's not too far from Omaha, but 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 uh, still a little bit of a distance. Um, even even Corbu, uh, you know, St. Paul, it's a drivable distance, but it's a ways. What do you guys think about every year in Sioux Falls? I like it. I think it's the perfect sized arena, in my opinion. Um, it's kind of centralized, you know, the North Dakotas, then you got, you know, us in Omaha. Um, I think it's a really good location. I guess bouncing off of Sioux Falls, I guess my one wish that was granted, I, I do like the entire conference now at the conference tournament compared to just the eight. Um, I think it makes it more fun. I think the Summit League tournament's unique because we have, you know, the women's in the afternoon and then the men's at night. We're all in one place. And that's what um, I think makes the Summit League tournament special. I know that's uh, one weekend out of the year. It's like, I am not going to be in class. I will be in Sioux Falls. So, um, yeah, that's one weekend I uh, really enjoy. And that's probably my favorite Summit League tournament out of all of them. But, um, yeah, I guess I'd say my one wish that was granted is we get to see uh, all 10 men's and women's teams at the Summit League tournament. And, uh, yeah, I love Sioux Falls, love the city, a lot to do. Um, a uh, lot to do around the area. If you're not, your team's not playing that day. Um, I say, yeah, keep it in Sioux Falls. I agree. All right. I Wouldn't... think we're doing a little bit too much agreeing here. I'll be the uh, voice of <laughs> opposition here. Time to time. Let's bring the summit league tournament to Bismarck, North Dakota, right? I'll be the, host. <laughs> I'll be the master of ceremonies. we got the Bismarck civic center here. We can take control away from South Dakota and South Dakota state that run everything make it a true neutral court and have a blast. It'll be fantastic. I promise you guys will love it. Zach, Zach, who's better at hosting stuff than the Twin Cities? Minneapolis, St. Paul. You've got right. great venues everywhere, major metropolitan area. Uh, 
we can host it here. I think that that's the way to do it. That works for me too. That's like a forty-five minute drive. So yeah, but I close to St. Anything close to St. Thomas, I don't like. Get it out of here. (laughs) I almost went got my St. John's hat. It's in the closet, by the way. Oh, that would have been a low blow. No, no, no. I'm over it. I'm over it. I'm over it. (laughs) I I think Sioux Falls is great, and I haven't been there yet, but I've experienced familiar when I was with the Mountain West Conference in Colorado State you know you would play at UNLV or play in Las Vegas every year for the conference tournament and UNLV would always make it to the conference finals because they're playing in Vegas and you're playing in Thomas Mac Arena right but they held it at the Pepsi Center one year and there was nobody there and that's not fun and it's truly neutral but who cares would you rather play in front of a half-filled college crowd a college arena or a quarter-filled pro arena Give me the college arena every single time. Give me the atmosphere every time. It's just a, a lot more fun experience. I do think that's a great point, though. Like, you should – I think, you know, fans of the Summit League are largely just fans of the Summit League. They're not really paying attention to a lot of these other smaller conference tournaments, and we are. And that's what reinforces what makes us understand how special this is. So I agree. Like, obviously, you don't overthink it, right? You do not tinker with this under any circumstances – and you, you try to take what that weekend is and you try to spread it out over the entire year. That's really, I think, the, what, what would be the key to this and when we, when we talk about coverage and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Tyler, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pretend as though a, a summer league tournament in Denver would work. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's you know, I mean, we're we're in a world in college athletics where um, financial considerations are going to drive 100% of the decisions, and uh, that event is a flagship event. It's an event that's a, a revenue generator for the league. Uh, it's it's never leaving. Um, you know, I don't know if people who are outside of the conference would look at it and think like, Oh yeah, that's fair. But you know, I mean, we've also seen situations in which Western Illinois takes down South Dakota state is an eight over a one in a 99% SDSU friendly crowd. So um, no, it's not a neutral site, but it is a great venue and it's a great tournament because people show up for it. And yeah, I think, um, you know, striking the balance of great event and not necessarily a quote unquote neutral place or mediocre event in a truly neutral environment. Um, you know, I don't even think that's, I don't think that's a contest at all. It's you go to the, the better atmosphere, atmosphere and, uh, and venue and all that. And so, you know, it's always been, uh, it's been cool. We, um, you know, Denver's kind of the outlier in a ton of different ways in the, in the league geographically and, and otherwise, but that event is, you know, it's a, it has a magnetism to it where it feels like March. It feels like big time college hoops. And, uh, and that's a big thing, especially when, you know, if you're part of a program that's struggled for the last several years, as Denver has, we haven't had many of those atmospheres. So it's, it's really cool to be part of that. Yeah. Go where the crowds are. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. And do that. And it's fun. Yeah. If you, if you took it out of Sioux Falls and you could not go to another summit league city and you're not going to go to Bismarck, where where else would be a neutral site? I cannot Vegas. Vegas? <laughs> yeah, Vegas. Everything ends up in you Vegas. On that. I'm not gonna fight you on that. Vegas. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure I will argue that one either. I'm okay with going to Vegas if that's what it's <laughs> not like a hostile okay. and not, and not You know Vegas. what I mean? It, it, <laughs> it's not Just like a the... hostile crowd, right? I mean, yeah, they, they cheer they cheer for the Jacks, cheer for the Coyotes, whatever. 
it's not like a hostile crowd. It's an exciting crowd. I think there's yeah. a big difference between that. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah. Well, and, and that's one thing I want to say. There have been times on some Sundays when there have been no South Dakota teams playing. There's still 4,000 fans showing up to those games. Right. They're, they're, they're great. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they are great casual. They're great college basketball fans in, in that region. And I think that the, the, the teams that participate in it are better off for it. And so, I, I yeah, I, that's that's kind of my thought. It would just be hard to find a better venue, in my opinion. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, with the Dakotas and Omaha, we don't have an NFL team up here. We don't have an NBA team. So these are our teams, the South Dakotas, South Dakota State. I mean, these fans don't have a professional team to follow in their state. So, you know, they rely on their college teams. That's kind of the same thing in Nebraska with the Cornhuskers, um, even though they stink. But uh, <laughs> they have a nice new facility, don't they? Yeah, it's in the work. It's not up and running yet. It should be ready by the fall of 2023. The big football facility, yeah. But, um, yeah, I think that's what makes the, you know, some of the Summit League teams pretty special is that these are their professional teams as they don't have, you know, a U.S. Big Four team in their state. Well, and and uh, just to piggyback on the comment about crowds, I don't remember who used to be in Reno for their conference tournament. I think it was Big Sky, but I'm not positive. Yes. Um, was yes. it? And, yep. and so I went to that when I was in Reno one year, several years ago, and I think it was me and 16 other people. Yeah, there was and no so, idea. yeah, it was just, a, it was, I mean, I liked it because I like college basketball, but it was, there was no atmosphere. So, um, well, we got about eight minutes left for an hour. And honestly, I think next year we might turn this into a two-part thing i we could do this for another hour but i'm not going to do that to to people i told we'd get done in an hour and then just keep going until people feel uncomfortable and want to get off but uh <laughs> um, I'll, I'll ask one more question and, and i'll kind of make it a two-parter what's your favorite part about calling games in the summit league or what is your favorite call that you can remember that the big moment i think for if adam were here for all roberts there's some pretty obvious ones that happen to be ncaa tournament related um, but for you guys, what's your favorite part about calling games in the summit or your favorite moment um, when somebody said your name wrong or something like that? Uh, I'd say Tammy, Tammy, you go first. Tammy, Tammy boy. <laughs> I, to me, it's just that, like Jack mentioned, it's, it's, it's big time basketball to me yeah. to see all these great players, see the players from Denver coming through and St. Thomas coming in and South Coast State has had guys that have gone close to the NBA, but not gotten there, but Baylor Shireman getting to see him play for a year. It's just, for me, it's that it's, it's as big time as you can get around our area. Like Jack was saying, and that, that for me is the big thrill every night. Nice. I would say for me, I mean, my I probably most memorable call was Jenkins half court buzzer beater to beat NDSU at the horn. Yeah. That was, that was a special one, but my favorite, I think moment was when North Dakota state won the tournament as a four seed. And you went from that to Selection Sunday and the next day to the first four in Dayton and getting experience what the first four was like in Dayton. And then after winning that game, getting on a plane at midnight and flying to South Carolina. And the next day, there's a shootaround at 11 a.m., like nine hours after you arrived to take on Duke and walking by Zion Williams. <laughs> and I'm like, this is unbelievable. These last seven days have been like some of the most memorable moments that you have. But from the league standpoint, what I really like about the league, I think Summit League over the last, is it seven or eight years, is the top three-point shooting league in the nation. There's a lot of skilled players in this league. 
not the biggest, but very skilled. And that's what I think is fun about it. And that's why I think there's been a lot of parity. I think there's going to be even more parity now with all the changes in roster movement. I'll be curious to find out if teams continue to shoot it so well from the perimeter like they have in the past, because that's kind of been a staple of this league. I've only got 18 games of Summit League experience, so um, it's all pretty new. But to piggyback off of what everybody else has said, I think the atmosphere has been outstanding. It's been a lot of fun to go see how many fans really care about these schools that when you get outside of a Power 5 conference, a lot of people are saying, you're playing the who, the what now? But when you get there, it's, it's fun, and the people are passionate about it, and there's rivalries. That's the other great thing is the regional footprint, I think, and that you have those natural born rivalries. And I would say my favorite call is probably when the Tommies played their first Summit League game and actually won it. And one, they went one for one in Summit League games and, and being able to be a part of that. Not very many people, there's not very many opportunities like that, right? Where you get to be a part of a team's very first of something. So that was a pretty unique experience. Corbu, how many threes did Riley Miller make in the first half at South Dakota State last year? That had to be fantastic to call. Yeah, and Riley Miller's a fun guy. Like, you know, he's got that little mustache, right? And he's uh, <laughs> kind of unassuming, but he's just a quirky kind of fun guy, like an introvert, but still extroverted in the way he plays, if that makes any sense. Uh, yeah, his shooting is probably my second favorite thing about being the, in the Summit League. No offense to anybody else's shooting, but uh, Riley Miller is a lot of fun to watch. And he's got gear, too, if you guys want to buy some Riley Miller gear. Um, no takers? Guess, yeah. Why I like calling games in the Summit is I think I went into every game last year, like, you know, what's going to happen? I mean, it could be all Omaha. It could be all South Dakota. I mean, you just never know. It's pretty unpredictable, I'd say, in the Summit League, which keeps it fun. I mean, it's never, you know, all chalk at the tournament or even in the regular season. I mean, anybody can beat anybody on any given night. And um, that's, yeah, who's hot and who's cold. That goes along with the shooting. I mean, you know, there were nights St. Thomas was just burying threes and then, you know, next thing they're cold. And I think, um, yeah, that's what keeps it fun. My favorite call is probably, I think it was the, it was senior night for Omaha. It was uh, Denver last year uh, coming from behind scoring 11 in a row, all Frankie Fiddler. And I'm sure Tyler has a couple nightmares about that, but yeah, um, it was, that was a great one. Thanks for bringing it up. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. That was probably my favorite call. And um yeah, him just bearing that game winner from probably 30 feet out was pretty cool. Um, and, yeah, I'm excited to call games this year, too. It's going to be another fun year in the Summit. That's absolutely no doubt. Nice. So, Tyler, I'm assuming you have a different favorite moment. But... I do. I do. Uh, well, and I don't want to put it on another one here, but uh, Corbo's first trip to Denver last year was a buzzer beater, Toko Tynamo, uh on a, a little flare down the floor. But that's I, I would say that's maybe my, my second favorite one. Um, I think my favorite uh, call of all of them in the Summit League so far has been my first year um, when uh, Denver – this wasn't a buzzer beater to win a summit league tournament game, but it was a buzzer beater to force overtime in a summit league tournament game. Joe Rocha oh, uh, off the, off the glass Ooh, against, against yeah. Nora Roberts. And that was, I mean, that was nuts. Cause it was, ORU had seemingly just iced it uh, on a couple of free throws. They were up three and um, you know, 
Daniel Amigo inbounds it to Rosga and they run this, this little play, um, you know, off the sideline, right in front of the bench. And Rosga threw up a weird shot and it hit the top of the backboard and went in. Um, and that was, that was fun. They ended up uh, outlasting ORU in, in overtime and then just got waxed the next night uh, against South Dakota playing, you know, an overtime game one night and turning around and, and playing in that atmosphere the next night, they didn't, didn't hang in, but that was a fun one. Um, but really, I mean, I think that that kind of speaks to the thing that I love most about uh, the Summit League. And for for us, you know, it's uh, it's weird to put it this way, I guess, but it's the road games. Um, you know, I mean, I I love doing games in Denver. I, this is my hometown. I love uh, being here and, and um, being the voice for this program. But um, when we go on the road and we get to go into a lot more traditional college athletics atmospheres, you know, going to, to Brookings and Fargo and, and Grand Forks and uh, Vermillion and, you know, seeing what those fan bases are like, um, being able to, to walk in and know that you are the opponent. Um, that's fun. And, uh, and that's what college athletics, that's what sports are, are supposed to be all about. And there is something that's just such a, uh, it's so electrifying about being able to do that. Um, there, there is not much cooler than that in our industry, and uh, and Summit League fan bases do it really, really well. Nice. Yeah, Tyler, you're back on the road this year, right? I am. Yeah, thank, yeah. thank goodness. Uh, finally getting to to make the trips after two years of of sitting and calling games from Magnus Arena with the Zamboni going uh, around in our crowd <laughs> mic. Uh, yeah, thankfully, uh, back to, back to normal and back to traveling this year. And we get, you know, an LA trip and we go to, we go to Corvallis, which should be cool and new Orleans and we got some good destinations. Nice. Well, that puts us almost exactly at one hour. And I honestly, I think next year we might just turn this into a two part podcast where we do, where we do two different ones and try to get even, even more than, but we appreciate the five of you for joining us. I, this was fantastic, better than I could have hoped for. So again, just appreciate you guys being willing to come out and, and give us your time and, and yeah, I hope you listen the rest of the year and we'll, I'll certainly be listening to you. I watch just about every summit league game. Cause apparently I don't have other things to do, but I do don't tell my <laughs> wife. Um, but uh, yeah. So again, thank you guys. And uh, until next time. Thanks guys. Everybody. You guys are the best. Thanks. That was fun, guys. Thanks. Thank you.